Spirit of God, may your word be as rain falling from heaven, soaking dry soil until it sprouts and springs forth, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater through Christ, living water, living word. Amen. Well, it's not every day you come across a naked, wild, demon-possessed man here at St. George's, but today is your day. What a story. So Jesus and the Twelve have been traveling through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God to anyone with ears to hear. Along the way, Jesus cast out evil spirits, taught using parables of seeds and lamps, and commanded the winds and waves to obey him. So then Jesus and the twelve land their boat on the far side of the lake from Galilee. They're in Gentile territory now. A few Jews and residents, but mostly not. Jesus doesn't even have both feet on the land yet, and he is confronted by this man chair of the Gerasene Welcome Committee. This is a terribly tortured man. He is the ultimate outcast, scarcely even human, overcome by forces beyond his control. He is naked, unpredictable, violent, and alone, living among the dead. Can you picture him in your mind's eye? Wild, filthy hair, dirt-entrenched finger and toenails, sun-weathered skin, darting eyes. One foot out of the boat, and this is who rushes up to Jesus, throws himself at Jesus' feet, and screams at the top of his lungs, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Remember, they're just getting off the boat after Jesus had calmed the storm and the disciples are freaked right out, wondering who is he that the wind and wave should obey him. And they are immediately confronted by the demon who knows exactly who Jesus is and the power he holds. And Jesus asks him, what is your name? Legion. He replies, for we are many. It's enough to give you chills. This demon has a name. We don't know who this guy is, but we know his demon. And we might miss this as 2019 listeners, but legion is a military term. A great number of soldiers think battalion. These folks are living under occupation by legions of the Roman army, and this demon occupies him. Legion. We have seen our share of garrison demoniacs, haven't we? If we have spent any time here during the week, if you exist in the neighborhood, in the world, you have seen, lived, touched addiction. Poverty, violence, rage, unimaginable living circumstances. Our neighbors in the community, folks who move through this building all the days of the week, folks in the pews beside us, and the one whose pulse we feel beating right here. 
we have all, we are all wrestling with demons. A favorite preacher of mine, Nadia Weber, the tattooed recovering alcoholic, Lutheran irreverent reverend of the House for All Sinners and Saints Parish in Colorado, is very open in the way she shares about her mental illness and addiction. She wonders about those things that get a hold of us, making us do things we don't want to do, or love things or substances or people that are really destructive. She wonders if those are, in part, what having a demon is all about. She refers in particular to a point in time in her history when her depression was so significant it felt like a character in her life. So she decided to give her a name. I called her Frances, she writes. I picture my depression Frances, emaciated in her torn vintage nightgown and smeared lipstick. She carries on to say, Frances first stopped by in my teens and early 20s, which was easily written off by my family as me being moody. But later, when I seemed to increasingly like the same things Frances liked, booze, emotionally unstable boyfriends, and self-destruction, she finally just moved in, turning my studio apartment into a wilderness. She was a terrible roommate. She kept the place filthy and always told me really devastating things about myself. And for some reason, when she lived with me, I was no longer able to do simple things like shop for groceries. I'd stand for far too long looking at the dairy case, unable to make a decision about yogurt. We are all wrestling with demons. Do you know your demon's name? Are they the occasional visitor or the roommate you can't seem to evict? Is this occupying force so directive that you have lost sight of your identity? Oppressed by too many demons to count, the man occupied by legion lost himself in the cacophony of their voices and ceased being a self. He spent his days raving alone in the wilderness, a danger to himself and others, separated from his community and separated even from himself. How many of us are similarly overwhelmed by the voices raging at us from inside and out, denigrating our identity and driving us to places of loneliness and despair? And if this man's torment, if our torment was the end of the story, it would be very bad news indeed. But it is not. Jesus comes near. And before he is even out of that boat, the demon knows exactly who he is and screams out in terror. Because it knows it ain't got nothing on Jesus. Legion has taken everything from this man, but is powerless in the face of Jesus. Unfazed by all of this, Jesus strikes up a conversation with the demon. 
removing them from the unnamed man and allowing them to enter the herd of swine nearby who promptly plunged themselves into the lake to their own destruction. And what was true for this man is true also for us today. Our demons recognize Jesus right out of the boat and are afraid of him. Do you know how I know this? Because our demons try to keep us away from the people who remind us how loved we are, how precious we are, that we are already claimed by God. Our demons want nothing to do with the love of God in Christ because they know they ain't got nothing on Jesus. Our demons are powerless in the face of God, so they lie to us to keep us hiding ourselves away from that love. They try to isolate us, telling us that we're not worthy, that no one wants us, that we cannot be known and seen as we are or we will be rejected. But those demons, mm mm-mm. Ain't got nothing on Jesus. It's said that Martin Luther, the great reformer, when feeling oppressed, overwhelmed by his own demons, would take courage by shouting out loud, I am baptized! It was his way of claiming confidence in the power of God over the forces that torment us all. The voices of this world, the demons that we wrestle with, they shout, they scream, but they do not have the last word. We can declare that God claims us once, God claims us again, God claims us always as God's beloved children. I'm not done, can can we get an amen there? Thank you. Now, it would be my greatest pleasure to tell you that the farmers, the ones who had spent all this time fretting over our unnamed legion host, making sure he was out of the community, shackled, restrained, contained, I wish I could tell you that those farmers saw the miracle and lined up to follow Jesus. But they didn't. They took off. They ran off to tell everyone about what had happened. When the crowds came back to see for themselves, they found this once wild, naked, tormented man hanging out, wearing clothes, chatting away with the disciples. And I wish I could tell you that the crowd saw for themselves and they lined up to follow Jesus. But they didn't. They told Jesus to take off. They were afraid, seized with fear, and wanted nothing to do with this power in their presence, which was greater than the power of evil. How can this be? Why not unanimous joy at the presence of a power this great? Have you ever seen? family completely break down after their addict gets clean or after a person with depression begins to heal the world of the folks around the one who was tormented 
and is now healed gets turned upside down and well-worn systems are thrown into the chaos of unknown. There is a certain security when people know the locus of the evil, where it lives, how to fence it in. There is time and expense devoted to guarding and controlling it. And a community learns. We learn how to live with these powers. Isolated, slightly under control. And then the power of God shows up and disturbs everything we had neatly arranged. Some days the unknown grace seems scarier than the known, comfortable, familiar demon. Jesus' healing power has a wide blast radius. It reaches far beyond the intended target. The impact of the restoration of this man radiated out with the deafening echo of God's love for everyone and God's power over everything. And that world-shaking message has the power to disrupt and disturb comfortable systems. And it doesn't always feel like good news for everyone who is invested in the broken system. Stepping into the unknown power of God can seem almost unbearable. It is like when the ancients in the Old Testament were unable to look directly at the glory of God because it was too overwhelming. Jesus, though, Jesus is the walking, talking glory of God. That doesn't blind us what we look at him, but heals our blindness, our inability to see who we really are. It is in Jesus that we come face to face with God who sees us, really sees us, the naked, distorted, isolated mess that we are, and greets us unflinchingly. It is Jesus who reaches into the distance we ourselves and our demons have created. Demons scream in terror because they know, they know they ain't got nothing on Jesus. This Jesus who claims us, heals us, restores us to our rightful place as precious, beloved children of God. Amen.